I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for sure where it will end, nor do I really know myself. Welcome back to the next edition of Living a Whole Christian Life. This is Jim Schrader. I hope it's been a good week. Those words I just began with here on the podcast are words that begin one of my favorite prayers of all time. It's called the Merton Prayer. And we'll share much more later of this if you've never heard this before. But I think it speaks to all of us in so many ways in the sense that so many, and I would speak for most of us, I think at any given time, really don't see the road ahead of us. We really don't know where we're going in life. And I think that's one of the tough things about life in general is that we all want a sense of security that, you know, things are going to work out, that things are going to go well, but we don't have that, right? We, we struggle with that very often. And so today in this 10th edition of the podcast, again, much of this material is coming from my book, Holiness with a WH, The Unified Pursuit of Health, Harmony, Happiness, and Heaven. We're going to talk about the second series on pride. Now, last week, we talked about kind of the conundrum between what is good pride and not so good pride. I think we talked about in the end of the day, pride and being proud of our efforts and being proud of who we're part of the community or team isn't necessarily a bad thing at all. It actually can be a good thing as long as we attribute what we should attribute, as long as we give credit where credit is due. But this week, we are going to talk about pride, the sense of arrogance. I'll define this in a second. That's not the healthy pride. This is the pride that we talk about when we say that it's the root of all vices. So I want to begin with a quote here as we go on this journey. And the quote is this, if anxiety is the biggest deterrent to love, then pride is the biggest obstacle to truth. If you think about this, in many ways, there's a lot of truth to that idea. And as we talk about pride, I want to define it here. What we're speaking of is a pride of self-absorption, pride of attributing the good things that happen to us to ourselves, right? And not to other people and to God. It's maybe that excessively high opinion of self at times that comes off as being arrogant in general, and it's often defined as hubris. So for a long time, the church has really said that, you know, of all the vices, of all the things that we can do that are unhealthy, whether it's lust or wrath or whatever, that pride is really the root of all these vices. And I think for the longest time as I was growing up, we saw this as a spiritual problem alone. God tells us to give credit where credit is due, to be thankful and grateful, and yet very often we are prideful. We want to believe that we know what's right. We want to believe that we know why things occur, that we're responsible for the good things. We're all, whether outwardly or inwardly, I think prideful. But today what we're going to actually focus on is that like everything else in God's design, like this idea of holiness with a WH, it's not just that things with pride render it a spiritual problem. It's actually a challenge and a problem when it comes to psychologically, physically, and socially. So I'm going to lay out four reasons why I think that, again, God's design says, be careful of the unhealthy pridefulness that we can feel, because it may serve to really lead us down the wrong road in many ways. So the first reason is, is that pride, as we're speaking of today, makes it difficult to see reality as it is. Let's take, for example, a situation where someone, their health has gradually declined over time. Maybe they've gradually become obese. There's a lot of other cardiac factors and other things that are going on that are leading them down a road that they don't really want. We've experienced this, and I talked about this, you know, multiple times in my own experience years ago. There's a sense of pride sometimes that we want to say, oh, but I'm, I'm eating well, or I'm healthy, or I'm actually um, more active than you, know, you might think, or whatever. But the problem with pride here is that it makes it difficult to see the reality as it is, right? 
you know, you take the blood pressure and the blood pressure's high and pride has a way of rationalizing it to say, oh, well, you know what? It's, it's only high today, but maybe I was nervous, right? Which of course, sometimes, you know, there's that whole idea and I've certainly felt it myself of a white coat phenomenon where, you know, your, your blood pressure does elevate in the presence of, you know, physician or whatever. But in general, like if we keep finding ourselves making excuses, you know, the issue of pride here is that we really lose out on reality testing. We lose out on actually seeing how things are in a way that causes problems for us. And it causes problems, whether it's again, physically, it can cause problems socially. We'll talk about that in a second. But if anxiety is the biggest deterrent to love, then pride is really the biggest obstacle to truth. The second key problem with pride in an unhealthy way is it creates a situation of self-absorption. And by a self-absorption here, you know, it relates to number one in the sense that we become very focused on what our truth is, not necessarily the truth, but it also, in being self-absorbed, alienates us from others. You know, it gradually kind of negates to recognize that others have difficult experiences too. We've all been in this situation where we're so self-absorbed, you know, we're so caught up into what's going wrong in our own life that we fail to look out and recognize, hey, a lot of people are struggling. A lot of people have difficulties that they're challenged with too. But I might just be so, so focused on what, you know, my stresses of the day or chronically what's going on and whether it's, you know, my relationships or, or work that I have trouble looking over to the other person and saying, so how's your day been, right? In a genuine way. Or tell me what's been going on lately with you. And I think that whether it's our own fault or we've experienced this with others, it's kind of like no matter what's going on with the other person, pride puts us in the mindset that we are the ones that have all the things going wrong, that no one else can understand us. Which in reality, of course, we are our own unique being, but so many of the issues that we face are common issues that many people face. And if we can step outside of our pride, we can not only recognize that others might be going through difficult trials, but we can connect with them much better. The third problem with pride is that, you know, a very physical problem in many ways, but it manifests itself also socially. And that is that pride actually increases, we've seen this again through scientific research, the experience of defensiveness, right? John Gottman says that there's really four horsemen that we'll get into later in the podcast that really cause problems with relationships. And defensiveness is one of the four horsemen. It's the sense of when people bring things to you, let's say, you know, your spouse says, hey, I've been kind of frustrated lately because I feel like that, you know, you haven't been doing this the way we talked about or the way we agreed on, or I just feel like you're not communicating well and really quickly. And gosh, again, in my own life, it's like you rise up, right? In defensiveness, you find a quick reason why, you know, they're just being too hard on you or they're blaming you for things unnecessarily. And in the process of being defensive, what also happens is that we get what we call reactively blaming. Not only do we get defensive and deny that the complaints or concerns that are put forth might actually be legitimate, we find a reason that that other person might actually be causing this. And so it increases the defensiveness, that pride that we're talking about, but actually physically, it increases our blood pressure, our muscle tension, it changes patterns in circulation. And over time, when this happens repeatedly, we go into kind of a stage of almost chronic inflammation. We're on edge, right? At any given point when we perceive that someone's critiquing us, and again, critiquing who we are as a person, we rise up against them and it causes significant issues. 
The fourth challenge, the fourth problem with pride, and probably, honestly, the most important one, is that through all of these experiences, it removes opportunities from growth that come from, one, moments of personal insight, and two, feedback from others. Think about it this way. We all the relationships that we have in our lives, there's different levels of those relationships. There's those who kind of, we just somewhat know, but we don't really know them well. And we see them, whether it's at church or at work or whatever else like that. And then there's our level of acquaintances, right? Those that we've kind of come to know parts and details of their life, but we wouldn't consider them overly close. And from there, we get into closer relationships, you know, really close friendships or our family members that were really close, all the way up to the, what we'd say, inner circle that we have. The reality is that we can actually grow through all of those people, but the people that we probably are going to grow the most through in our lives are also the people that are probably going to annoy you and I the most too. And of course, it goes vice versa. They're the ones that know us so well that they almost can anticipate what we're going to say or do before it happens. And I thought about this over the years and, you know, in my own marriage and my wife and I have been married for going on 22 years. There has been a number of times where I've gotten the sense that, you know what, whether I fully agree or not with what she's saying, I recognize that there's some element of truth at the very least or a complete element of truth. And I just, ooh, I don't like it, right? I don't like it because it, it forces me to consider, again, my own faults. But you know what? I, I also don't like it. And I think if we're all honest, I don't like it because it impels me to grow in areas that I don't want to grow. And I'm going to share a story. This is going to be the, the next podcast about a really early area that was difficult for me, that was so central to my life that I really didn't want to grow from initially. I guess in some ways, I guess I was later open to the growth, but I recognized there were so many areas that I needed to grow given where our life was going. And it was just difficult to take that feedback. And so I think in the end of the day, if you think about this, that God asks us to grow continually. You know, I mentioned before that we have a process-oriented God in an outcomes-focused world. So God knows we're going to make mistakes. I mean, we see this throughout the Bible. We understand that. God recognizes that really there's no destination on this earth, that we're pursuing heaven, of course, but, you know, temperance and justice and fortitude don't have destinations to go to. But what God asks us to do continually is to grow. You know, in the Catholic Church, of course, one of the ways that we grow is through confession. You know, we and we do this throughout the Christian Church. There's different ways of confessing our sins, different ways of looking for absolution and a sense of freedom from the wrongs that we've done. But if we never acknowledge through our own pridefulness that we've done something wrong or that things have gone awry, then how do we ever grow? We will always in some ways be sinful, broken people, but I really have a hard time believing that God, based on everything we know that we've been taught through scripture and the tradition of the church, really just wants us to cycle in the same places. He recognizes that sometimes it's going to happen, but so often he's saying, but I want you to grow. And you know what? Ultimately, I want you to grow closer to me. So in essence, if you think about this, unhealthy pride immobilizes us just as chronic unhealthy anxiety does too. Over time, in the worst possible way with pride, it creates a hardened shell around us that renders us increasingly impenetrable, not just from God, but from others and even ourselves. That's a tough thing. That's not something that we really want to acknowledge or, or admit, but I think that if we're honest about pride in, in this way that we're talking about today, it's as if that, that shell just gets harder and harder 
And unfortunately, you know what? When that happens, we get further removed from a lot of the joys, a lot of the opportunities that our life provides us. So now, you know, I've mentioned the four areas of, of biggest concern. I want to end this, though, thinking about today. There is a lot of good news about pride, and it's similar to the anxiety that I mentioned before. And one, it's just the fact that we are prideful people. Obviously, I talked about the previous podcast in the ways that it's good to have pride and be proud of who you are. But here we're talking about the sense that we're prideful. We sometimes close upon and in, into ourselves, and we don't really want to be open to growing. It's just a lot of effort, right? Oh my gosh, how many times have you thought to yourself, yeah, I know I probably should improve, but seriously, God, like how much, how much more effort do you want for me to put out here, right? But if it's inherent in all of us in some ways, then it freezes up to say, hey, don't worry about the stigma. Don't deny it. Acknowledge it. And I think that the, the times where, whether I finally come around to acknowledging it or I've heard other people do the same, it's such a freeing thing just to admit that. The other good news here is that whether you're 8 or 80, there are always opportunities in small and big ways if we recognize this. And here's the key line, and I kind of alluded to this earlier. We have to recognize that just because something is our truth doesn't mean it is the truth. I'm going to say that one more time. Just because something comes to seem to be our truth doesn't mean it's necessarily the truth. And I think that's the key idea here is that our perspectives are important. Our opinions, our thoughts, our experiences, our emotions, all of that is really, really important, right? But in the end of the day, if we're really going to be part of this community of believers, even for those who are kind of on the fringes and saying to themselves, I'm not even sure where I stand in this Christian world. Even if we find ourselves wherever the different places are, on the fringes and wherever that is, if we're really going to be part of a community going forth in harmony and happiness and holiness with the WH and healthiness, then we have to be open to the fact that even though it might be my truth, it might not be the truth. And it might not be other people's truths too. And one of the most humbling things in life, but one of the most awe-inspiring things of life, is when you come to recognize that it's okay sometimes for you to work really hard and believe really strongly, but for that to be different than other people. You know, there's a lesson I'm going to end today with this idea that years ago I was in training and I, I recognized that I was getting to the end of training. I, I sensed kind of a pridefulness in myself that it had been many years. I was into, you know, 10 years of, of post-secondary training and education. I think I was kind of ready just to be done. And I was in the last year of my fellowship and I was in some ways a little bit oppositional about things that were being asked of me. And so I think that part of it was I was just kind of ready, like I said, to be finished. And not that I didn't want to stop, I wanted to stop growing, but ready to be done with training. And so I ran up against the supervisor who I actually recently connected with, who looking back, I was so appreciative of her challenge to me, which says, you know, as John Wooden once said, when you're through learning, you're through, right? And she was really saying to me, hey, come on now, you've got plenty to learn. Don't close yourself off to that. And at first, I thought, oh, gosh, seriously? I mean, really? I just, I'm not sure that I'm really ready to be learning at this point in the ways that you're asking. But as I further removed myself from that experience and as the years went on, and I ironically find myself in a training director role now, I so appreciate being challenged in that way. That's what she was saying to me. She was essence saying that just because you feel like you've come to a point where this is how you feel like things should go, 
doesn't necessarily mean it's the best for you. And in all of our lives, those people, you know, we sometimes meet them with some frustration and we sometimes meet with them with a little bit of anger for sure, right? But if we step back and we look back at the the process of our life, right? The story of our life. Aren't we so glad that those people came to us and were willing to challenge us in that way? Because in the end of the day, if they don't come to us as the hands and feet of God on this earth, well, really, how are we going to grow? Hope you all have a great, great week and just a wonderful beginning of spring. This is Jim Schrader. Be holy, be whole. Be holy, be whole.